What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, it's Dan Favalli. Remember to search Blue Wire Buckets in iTunes or Spotify for more NBA content. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Hardwood Knox Podcast. I am Dan Favalli, your second favorite co-host around these parts. On today's episode, we're going to be doing our super deep dive into the Memphis Grizzlies' long-term outlook. They are particularly topical at this moment after jumping into the number two spot in the lottery. To talk about all things Memphis, I have turned to Keith Parrish from the Fast Break Breakfast podcast. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Roy Ira, at R-O-Y-I-R-A, and if you haven't checked out the Fast Break Breakfast podcast, be sure to do so. You can follow them at Fast Break Break. They do a terrific job of blending humor, personality, and good basketball analysis. They have a Patreon as well. Be sh- subscribe to them if you can. I'm a proud subscriber there. Again, they, they do a fantastic job at the Fast Break Breakfast podcast. Make sure you to check it out if you have not already. Uh, also, if you want to follow me, on Twitter, I could be found at Dan Favalli. Follow Andy on Twitter at Andrew D. Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox, and we please ask that you continue rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us on iTunes. We really appreciate when we see those numbers go up. Throw us that five-star rating, write a review, leave us feedback, anything you'd like to see more of, any guests that you'd like to bring us on if we haven't covered your team. We've been rolling out these individual squad previews post-haste, so we hope you appreciate them and are enjoying them, even if you're only a fan of one team. We still try to bring the league-wide analysis, and we want to give every franchise its due as we head into what will be a crazy summer. And finally, if you haven't checked out the Blue Wire Podcast Network, you need to change that right now, as in yesterday. We're pumping out content all over the place, across all sports. The NBA content in particular is fantastic. The Blue Wire Buckets podcast has done a great job of just really tackling these playoffs three times a week. Follow Blue Wire at Blue Wire Pods. Now we get to Keith Parrish from the Fast Break Breakfast podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Hardwood Knox podcast. I am Dan Favalli coming at you once more without my co-host, Andrew D. Bailey. I am, however, pleased to be joined by Keith Parrish. From the Fast Break Breakfast podcast, a spectacular podcast. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Roy Ira at R O Y I R A, and you can follow and should follow Fast Break Breakfast at Fast Break Break. Uh, they are they cover the, the entire NBA, but I have brought him on to talk about the Memphis Grizzlies, who moved up to number two in the draft lottery, and they have a a pretty big offseason in front of them. We could probably say that for every team, but the stakes are certainly higher for them there. Um, before we get started, though, we have to ask, Keith, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Dan. I'm happy to be on the Hardwood Knox podcast. Very exciting times. 
Um, well, I'm glad that your bar for excitement is so low. I really appreciate that. <laughs> so I listened to uh, Fast Break Breakfast's uh, recap where you guys had the you were talking about the the watch party that you have for the Grizzlies lottery on your last podcast, and I mm-hmm. said this to you before we got on the air. I couldn't stop laughing when you guys were talking about the, just the fans' reactions to the Grizzlies moving up and some of them not really understanding that it meant they were in the top four, so the reactions went on this weird progression before um, as they were going through picks like eight, seven, six, and and five. And I thought that's like – I almost missed that feeling because people get mad at fans like if they don't know salary cap nuance or stuff like that. But that's actually right. – I actually find that so cool that like to be able to think like, oh – we're not there at six, even though like you knew that you were in the top four. I actually, I actually wish I could experience that. <laughs> That's fun. You're you're wishing for the days of ignorance. Ignorance is bliss. No, it's it's fun. Well, also, I I think that that it's a fun point that you know sometimes we get too caught up in the salary cap minutia when they're like yeah, like or whatever like oh or even like the the tanking stuff. Right. Like s- like quote unquote smart fans are like actually winning was bad. Uh, and it's like, come on, let people just cheer for their sports, what, what you want. But yeah, so we hosted a Grizzlies watch party. Um, our podcast, we're all in Nashville, Tennessee, which if, if you don't know, is uh, three hours to the east of Memphis. Uh, we actually hosted the the only official Grizzlies watch party. Uh, they didn't do any in Memphis because they, they were nervous. You know, it was an awkward situation. Like their their most probable outcome was conveying the pick. So like the team didn't want to do a watch party officially and no one in the city like put together one. It was kind of funny. So we're like, whatever, we're just going to do one because it'll be fun. And, and it was fun. But we did have that situation where when the Grizzlies weren't at nine, like three people clapped that kind of understood. <laughs> like it was really funny because I wasn't at the I wasn't at the podcast. And then one of my other co-hosts, uh, John, was filming like the, the crowd. And so like, yeah, like when the Grizzlies weren't at nine, like. Four people stuck their hands up because they knew that the Grizzlies jumped. And then when they weren't at eight, people got like kind of excited, but then it like died down again. But then it was within again, as you said, there was no chance of them being seven, six, or five. But then everybody got excited every every time the next name rolled off. It was like yeah, and then obviously to the commercial break, and uh, and then as you know, or as I guess everyone knows, ended up at two, and that's a uh, it's huge for the Grizzlies. Not really a Grizzlies topic, but do you think that because of all the chaos that was on lottery night, that the NBA this new model, they succeeded in the tanking deterrence. I think it might open up more midseason tanking, uh, but I I root for chaos in general. So to see three teams jump into the top four on lottery night, it didn't have to be you know the Lakers being one of them, and it didn't have to be the Pelicans knowing the whole Anthony Davis situation. I actually I like that, and I, even if it, it results in more midseason kind of tanking among the teams that are clearly out of the playoffs but not bad enough to catch up to you know, the rock bottomers. I, I think that this model is, I would say, pretty good to excellent. I think the model is excellent. I see a lot of takes going on right now or people pulling their hair out over, this is going to cause a new kind of tanking. It's like, it, it's not really. We, we, we saw what played out. We, we saw um, like a team like the Pelicans, a team like the Grizzlies, a team like the Mavericks, they did do a little late season tanking, sort of. I feel like there's this argument, Pelicans people are saying, no, 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 we, we didn't tank. And Grizzlies people are saying, like, we didn't tank. I guess if, like, if you argue, like, the Grizzlies rested Mike Conley some. And, and that's some asset protection, because this is a guy who's going to be in trade rumors through the whole offseason. So I, I think you look at these teams who are eliminated from the playoffs, they were still trying to win. They were still, like, putting out 
like the Grizzlies in their instance, they weren't doing a thing where when, when it got to the end of the games, they were sitting players who were helping them in those games. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't like, Hey, DeLon Wright's having a great game. We need to lose this one. Let's take him out. Like they weren't <laughs> doing, they weren't doing any of that because the Grizzlies did that the year before where like Mike Conley, I mean, Mark, Mark Gasol famously was like eight for eight for three against Utah and then didn't play in the fourth quarter of a close game last season. So I don't think it's going to be a problem. I think what this, new lottery odds accomplished was you saw at the all-star break i think something like like 26 of the teams were still trying this season and in 20 what 2017 18 in that season at at all-star break already 10 teams were tanking like there were there were only 20 teams trying to win basketball games uh, by the all-star break the year before so i think that was a big success and then you also saw the teams at the very bottom of the lottery or the top depending how you look at it like the knicks the cavaliers the bulls they were trying to win games down the stretch. Like they were actually winning games because it didn't really matter anymore. So I think because of that, that the new lottery odds were a big success. And again, I like chaos. I think like you, even if my favorite team wasn't rewarded with the second pick, I love how it played out. I love how it just seemed like a random jumble of like these teams missed the playoffs. All right. That's just a a big mix. You know, it, it doesn't necessarily help you to go into a season like the Knicks and say, we're not even, we're not going to put good players on this team. We're not going to worry about trying to win games this year because we want that 14% chance at Zion. I don't think it's going to be that big of a problem. I think it incentivizes like, Hey, just try to build, you know, you can play your young guys, but just to see what happens. You can't control the outcome of the lottery now. I mean, you couldn't before, but it's even harder uh, to guarantee your spot. Uh, so, so just play the basketball games. And I like that. If nothing else too, was this sobering reality check for, Teams like fan, fans of teams like the Knicks, they had an eighty six percent chance of not getting Zion Williamson. I felt like that right. was lost in like well, the whole finishing third is good, right? It's statistically, statistically they were supposed was, to finish was, outside the top three. Yeah, yeah, yes. So now they get to sign um, Circuit City or draft Circuit City Tim Hardaway Jr. and RJ Barrett, <laughs> but different. That's a different podcast. Um, so I don't want to oversimplify the Grizzly situation. And I know that I'm looking at this from a distance and you're just someone who's obviously closer and covering them more, but can we officially say that they're rebuilding now or after winning the number two pick, is there a scenario in which they talk themselves into, Hey, number two, Jared Jackson, Jr. Mike Conley, we Kyle Anderson, you know, maybe we bring back, uh, I'm assuming they're not going to bring back Avery Bradley, but Hey, maybe we bring back, uh, Valanchunas if he's going to opt in, we have CJ miles. Could you maybe see them talking themselves into going for one of those lower tier playoff bids again? Or do you think following the front office overhaul, um, the fact that they got rid of Bakerstaff, that maybe they're finally ready to start over? Yes, I can absolutely see them pushing in a little bit for a playoff berth this season. I think surprises me. I, I mean, so I don't think you're ever going to see this Grizzlies team do like a tear down to the studs rebuild, sort like a bottom out. And, and so, thing. well, so you said, you know, like it looks simple to you from a big picture view or from an outsider view. To me, I don't, I guess I am too close to it. There are so many variables. It, it seems so complex. I have no idea what you do. Like one variable does Mike Conley want to be here? Does, does John Morant and Mike Conley playing together with Jaron Jackson Jr., like you said, could this be a, a competitive, good basketball team? The The other variable in that is because they're picking this season, they owe their pick next year to Boston. So it's like, I feel like the 
the analytic mind or like the, I call it the dunked on hive mind is like, you know, just, te- just, just tear it all down, tear it all down, get picks, use your cap space, you know? And like the Grizzlies can't really get anywhere where they can open up enough cap space to take on bad salaries or anything. So like, should the Grizzlies trade Mike Conley just for like some picks for some assets for the, for the Pistons number 15 pick and say, all right, we have, we, we have John Morant, we have Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, and then we, we traded Conley for a pick and now let's just be, let's just grow organically back up from there. <laughs> I think this team values just trying to be competitive each season. I, I don't, you mentioned the front office overhaul. I'm not sure there was one, despite the fact that, you know, Chris Wallace got demoted and that he was like the figurehead or, or the patsy for everything that gone wrong with the Grizzlies. Like they promoted from within. It's the same people who were doing stuff. Zach Kleiman, who's mainly yeah, supposedly like the, his title isn't GM, but he's now the, the GM. Apparently, he was making the deals last year. He's the guy, probably, we think, who traded two second-round picks for Justin Holiday. So I don't think there has been that big of an overhaul, despite the fact from a PR perspective they're trying to sell that it's a new Grizzlies front office. So I don't think they're going to make any moves that spite them for the future. Like I don't think they're going to make any very short-sighted, like, Let's take on bad salaries trying to win the season. I don't think they're going to do any deals like that Justin Holiday deal where they trade future picks for a veteran on an expiring deal. My but I all- at the time, too. That was just <laughs> one of those deals you just looked at and was like, what? <laughs> but, I, but I also don't think they're just going to do a complete rebuild. I mean, I think they will. If they get an offer from Mike Conley that makes sense, they should. But I think right now, and, and this is where I'm at as a fan, too, where I don't follow college basketball and I've read some people that are saying John Morant is a potential superstar. And so everyone's very excited, but I also read people who are saying, you know, this is a historically weak draft. John Morant might've been a five, like, like a fifth pick or an eighth pick in another season. And so if Mike Conley gives you this thing, like, Hey, I would love to stick around with Jaron Jackson jr. Like we realize the Grizzlies kind of hit a home run with Jaron Jackson jr. If Mike Conley's like, what can we get for this second pick? Will, Will the Suns pony up a big offer for the second pick? Will, I mean, I don't think the Wizards would. Would the Wizards want to trade Brad Buell and start over with the second pick? Me as a Grizzlies fan, I would be like, well, let's, yeah, let's, let's try to win. <laughs> like, like, like we know we hit a home run with Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, now it's incredibly this fortuitous bounce. We get a chance to hit another home run with, with John Morant. But I'm also like, I would also accept the uh, just a double if we could trade it for a player that we know is very, very good and keep playing with Mike Conley. So I, like, I'm of two minds there, and I think this front office is, is going to be of two minds where they, they, their priority is to always be competitive, and whatever that means. Like I don't think they, I don't think they want to do what happened two years ago where, where they won 20 games. I don't think that's ever what they want to do. So I don't think you're going to see a complete teardown. I think they're going to keep their options open and see, you know, how competitive they can be for the upcoming season. Do you think their coaching search provides any insight into though what if they are leaning one direction, which way they might be leaning? The only names I've seen for them, I'm not even going to try and pronounce the guy's name from Lithuania. Uh, there was Utah Jazz assistant Alex Jensen and then Jaron Collins from Golden State Warriors assistant staff. When they're going after these names who have never been NBA head coaches before, does that make you sort of think then, hey, they're at least in the sense of, I look at starting over as, are they going to trade 
Mike Conley. And so when you're going right. after coaches like this, and also with Conley's comments at the end of the season, it makes me think if you hire someone like that, one of these up and coming assistants or someone um, internationally who's never coached in the NBA before, it makes me think that you are leaning towards rebuilding. I don't know. Jason Wexler, the president of basketball operations, has said that like the lottery had no effect on their coaching search. Like they weren't necessarily waiting till after the lottery, um, whether Mike Conley is going to be here or not doesn't really affect the coaching search. He just says they're looking for the best option. And, and like the, the guys you said, you know, they're they're all as, uh, assistants or, or you know, uh, Yasukevich's, I think is the name. Uh, he, he's like he, he's in Europe coaching. These guys don't have NBA head coaching experience, but there aren't a bunch of guys with NBA head coaching experience out there and all the positions pretty much have been filled. I guess they have been filled in the league. I guess uh, Minnesota is still considering uh, their options. Yeah, air so quotes I, there. Yeah, so I, I don't I, like, I don't know what the Grizzlies are doing with their head coaching search. I don't think they're in any rush whatsoever. And I, I, nor, nor do they have to be. Like They can leave this open. I mean, technically it doesn't matter who your coach is when you go into free agency. But uh, they've said it doesn't matter like what their 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 franchise direction isn't going to change based on the coach, and they aren't going to hire a different coach because like they now are probably going to have two young, you know, superstar ish potential players. They're just going to try to find the best guy out there, and I mean, hopefully they're you know leaving no stone unturned. But I don't know as a fan, I don't know who I want them to select. Like I can't even think of the options that are out there you know, that aren't former Grizzlies coaches like uh, Dave Yeager. Not about Apple, that Mark Jackson not, life. Yeah. Not about, Oh, I'm not about the Mark Jackson life. Uh, Mike Brown is a name that's been suggested. You oh, know, uh, really? I didn't even see that <laughs> because like, well, he's just like, uh, Chris Vernon, the, the local guy and the, the ringer, um, uh, podcast host. He, he's mentioned Mike Brown just because he's a guy with head coaching experience, which I'm, I'm, I'm cool with. Like, I don't know who's out there who you're going to find. I mean, I hope the Grizzlies could find their own, like Lloyd Pierce, like a guy who seems like after year one, you know, that seems like a great hire. They they find the smart young assistant. Um, I, I hope they do that. But also, the fan base is weary of the Grizzlies only hire assistants. They don't ever hire a guy who has head coaching experience. And they've been through a ton of coaches recently. Like they they've all pretty much failed. Um, I guess retrospect. I mean, retrospect, I don't even know who I'd want back. Like, Dave Yeager was probably the best coach the Grizzlies have had since Hubie Brown, but he didn't want to be here and was, didn't you know. did he stab Lionel Hollins in the back, too, to get that job? Pretty much. Well, like, Lionel Hollins wanted a big contract, and the Grizzlies don't pay their head coaches yeah. big contracts. And, you know, Yeager angled for the job. And then Yeager rode people the wrong way, like he did it again in Sacramento, uh, and angled, he wanted to get out of there for the Minnesota job. So, like, fine, you know, get gone. So I don't know. Like it's a really weird position where I feel like as podcasters and Twitter users, we, we like to have opinions and say this is who we should get. I have no idea, man. Like I don't know who's out there, who wants the job, or who's available, uh, who would be good at the job. So I guess just put blind faith that the new front office is interviewing people and will uncover someone smart. If I and I know you say, but neither of us really watch too much of college basketball. I think if you keep the pick, I think John Morant is the clear choice at number two. So if they end up keeping the pick, and if you had to guess, I know we talked about they might not want to actually fully rebuild, but if you had to guess, if they're taking a point guard in Moran, do you think that Conley is then just a goner? I think it it depends on what Mike Conley wants. I actually think they're going to try to um, accommodate him to some degree. I, I mean, uh, I don't know what the options are out there. 
uh, if it is just the Pistons offering the 15th pick or like the Jazz keep getting mentioned as a target, but I, I can't even understand what a Jazz trade would look like now that like the Rubio salary is expiring and they can't trade it. So if it is just like, oh, the Jazz will give you the 23rd pick and I don't know, Grayson Allen. Like I don't. That doesn't get me that excited. <laughs> I, I, like, I would. I would rather have Mike Conley. I would rather have Mike Conley teaching John Morant to play basketball, teaching uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. You know, be, like helping them grow that way. So, so I would. I would rather keep him. So I, I don't think it necessarily means he's a goner. I think at the trade deadline he he wanted to be gone, but but maybe you know there's some way to salvage that relationship. Um, so I, again, I I can't give you a clear answer. I have no idea. I think the reporting from Memphis was he wanted to leave. Marcus all badly wanted to leave. It seemed like the, the bridges were burned there. And then with him leaving, Conley wanted to go. And even when they fired the whole, or they fired Bickerstaff, uh, Mike Conley tweeted no words. I mean, that was a quote. He tweeted, quote, no words. Uh, and so that's like the most outspoken you'll ever see Mike Conley or, or, or criticize anything. But I don't know if, you know, the time, the passage of time has cooled down. He's a franchise icon. If, if he decides like, you know what, Memphis is pretty good. And I don't know what the, what the greener pasture is for him. Mm-hmm. Like if it is, I guess, going to like the Pacers or the Jazz, like teams that, that should make the playoffs again. But I don't think there's a clear cut him going to a contender the way Mark Gasol could. There's no contender who's like, yeah, we're a contender, but we don't have a point guard who can play basketball and we can accept, you know, a $32 million salary. So yeah, I, I don't, it's not clear. I don't think it's clear that he's a goner, but I think you, you got to be listening to the offers. If some of these teams who slid in the lottery, if they want to get desperate, well then I do think you're like, Oh, Lakers, you, you know, you struck out in free agency like we will take whoever you selected uh, at the fourth pick or something. So I think you, you listen to those good offers, but other than that, I think it's going to be a mystery and you might, you might see the Grizzlies start the season with Mike Conley and have to go through the entire season up until the trade deadline, listening to see what happens. Yeah. I mean, the offers from, I guess if the jazz sign, a Kemba Walker in free agency, but like offers from them or uh, even the Pacers, their offer can probably only improve by the trade deadline. So they don't have salary filler right now to really right, throw in. Right. just, you're basically like, hey, take Sabonis and we'll take Conley into cap space and maybe we'll give you this year's pick. Are there any teams that you've thought about, though, that you would just from a Grizzlies perspective that might have the assets that you're looking for? Well, so you mentioned that Pacers thing. and I get a lot of pushback that the Pacers wouldn't trade Sabonis or the Grizzlies couldn't get Sabonis. I feel like if I'm the Pacers, I would definitely do that. I feel like a like a backup big is kind of replaceable as good as he is is like it's a extension eligible too so you're gonna yeah yeah like 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 you know they don't want to really pay him i don't think and if they could just trade sabonis and what is it the 18th pick like the grizzlies i think you'd probably have to take that i don't i don't even love it as a grizzlies fan i think the fit with sabonis is really weird with jaron jackson jr if valentunas opts in it's like you know i don't it's just a mess kyle anderson is like my favorite grizzly besides jaron jackson jr he can't play alongside Sabonis and Valanciunas. Like that doesn't the roster fit. I guess you shouldn't worry much about the roster fit at this point. But uh, like I think the Pacers should do that. As far as other options as a Grizzlies fan, if I'm dreaming, like I would love to see the Chicago Bulls decide. You know what? We don't want the seventh pick. Like let's let's bring in Mike Conley. That would fulfill Mike Conley's wish to get to the Eastern Conference. It might get him in All Star berth. I, I feel like if the Bulls would trade, you know, just this pick, I think they can, you know, like, we'll take Felicio, maybe? <laughs> is that bad Felicio? Like, I, I think they could make it work 
um, to take in like the Mike Conley salary. And then I think the Bulls would actually be pretty good next year. And the you know Conley's salary is just two more years, so you don't have to pay Laurie Markkinen until like the end of that is up, and it, it matches up with the Otto Porter contract. So I feel like if the Bulls decided we don't love any of our options at the seven pick, that would be an aggressive trade to bring in Mike Conley and like try to go for the playoffs these next two seasons as Wendell Carter and Laurie Markkinen get good. Because I mean, like like Zach Levine, I think he's looked pretty solid as a scorer, as a two guard. Otto Porter filled in nicely, you know, after the trade deadline. I, I, I like that in my mind as like a broader NBA fan, just a league pass junkie. I'm like, oh, I would watch right. that Bulls team. Uh, but again, like it's probably smarter, you know, again to just as the Bulls to, to sit on your hands. And then uh, another team in the lottery that fell. Like the Phoenix Suns, like if the Phoenix Suns get desperate, and I don't think it's a smart play for them because they are so far away. Right. But but if the Suns are saying, hey, we can get Mike Conley to pair with Devin Booker, and we will trade that six pick. I mean, like uh, I think I saw floated like T.J. Warren, Tyler Johnson, and the six pick for Mike Conley. Oh yes. Oh absolutely. Like I I would do that in a heartbeat. Uh, and I think I saw Suns fans arguing that. Um, you know, the argument can be made and should be made that the Suns should still build slowly and <laughs> just go, uh, you know, take their pick, see if they can find another good young player on a cheap salary. But if, if they're open to uh, if they're open to trades, I would definitely listen to those. And I, I think those would be I mean, as a Mike Conley fan, I'd, I wouldn't wish him going to Phoenix like I, I wouldn't wish that <laughs> on him. Like that, that seems terrible, uh, but like, but like the Bulls one, like I can see him being in Chicago, being in the Eastern Conference, making an All Star team. And I think that team would be super fun to watch. But I mean, hey, Josh Jackson, you know, get getting a little little trouble jumping the VIP stand at the music at a music festival. If they want to throw T.J. Warren, Josh Jackson, and a pick my way, I, I would absolutely listen because uh, you know I got to do what's best for the franchise. Sorry, Mike. Uh, meet Devin. He he likes to shoot. Yeah, I was about to say, I think T.J. Warren might play too well for the Suns just to give up on him. But if I think Tyler Johnson and Jackson, I'm pretty sure right. the math works out there or comes close yes, to it. Yes, it would. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the sixth pick uh, that I just don't – I can't see a team in that six, seven, eight range like really uh, giving up that high of a pick for Conley just because I'm not sure how much – he's so good – but you're going to pay him a total of $67 million in his age 32 and 33 seasons is a little tough. Uh, two teams that stood out to me, though, was I don't know how desperate the Pistons are for an upgrade at point guard after Reggie Jackson's close to the season, but Detroit could send expiring contracts that include just, it'd be like Reggie, Lore, and Thon Maker, and then the 15th pick for Conley. Yeah. It's something that I thought might be interesting. So, so that, that's, that's when I would, I think I'd pass on as a Grizzlies fan. Like I don't, I don't value just getting that one bite at the apple 15th pick. Cause I, cause the, the salaries are, are kind of useless to me. I guess you could say we could maybe use them as assets to try to trade, but the, but the value of expiring contracts, I feel like is kind of not what it once was. So I, like, I, I think I would turn down the 15 pick if, if the Pistons sweeten it to say like Luke Kennard in the 15 pick and then these bad salaries I would say yeah I would I, you know like I guess you have to consider that as a Grizzlies fan I mean I, yeah I, other than that yeah I'm, I'm at a loss I mean I think the Pacers won like if if they decide they want to give away something uh, I guess another a wilder one and making the salaries is more difficult if Kyrie Irving leaves Boston Ooh. and and this is a team still you know in a win now I think Mike Conley would be an excellent fit with them, but I don't know if I can make the salaries work. Because like without it, Hayward, yeah, because I don't, I don't want Hayward back. But I mean, if the, I mean, if the Celtics are giving away first round picks, 
<laughs> if they, uh, I mean, if they want to give us the Grizzlies pick back to them next year, but it would probably be like if the Celtics wanted to give, I mean, what the the 14th pick and the 20th pick in this draft for Conley. But then I don't, again, I don't know how you make the salary. Yeah, I think uh, that to, one's probably unworkable. Would be yeah. Fun. The other team I thought of, would you be willing to? You're probably looking. It's from the Timberwolves, and I don't know how with Gerson Rosas they're hired. I don't know if he's looking uh-huh. for now or if he view this as short circuiting a rebuild. But if you build something around the 11th pick and Jeff Teague's expiring contract, I don't know that you get get Josh Akogi in that deal. You're definitely not getting Dario Sarge in that deal, but maybe you would if they offered Sarich and the 11th pick plus Jang's salary with Teague. The money works there, um, or they could just include. They have a few nice seconds. They have Miami's second i think in 2020 um or no they have miami's second round pick this year they could give a 2020 second round pick as well they have kate Bates job who is i still think he's going to be an interesting uh just cross position defender to two three four that's a destination that i thought of if minnesota was looking to remain relevant and sees that hey we have no way to really make an, uh, a swing for the fences with andrew wiggins's money on the books mike conley would be a fantastic fit alongside towns who's never played with a point guard who is just so comfortable operating and shooting off the dribble. I think that's a, that's a great suggestion. We floated a lot of Minnesota trades last year, at the trade deadline around similar stuff like that. Like if they wouldn't send Jeff Teague and a pick, uh, it, it made, it made sense to us. And I, I think, you know, the, the 11th pick is something you, I think you'd have to consider as a Grizzlies fan. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's a great option. I mean, I feel like if, if they threw in Jang, that, that's another extra year, but yeah, if they wanted to do the 11 pick and, and a future second, I think, yeah, that's a good one. Um, definitely going to be interesting. Uh, there are going to be so many teams linked to him. And it, uh, again, if he's, if Conley's willing to stay, it's not the worst option either. And at least even if he doesn't right. really want to, you can definitely let this ride out to the trade deadline just to see where your team is by that point. Well, I think we, we passed the point of the, the Conley contract looking onerous in my mind. Like, sure, he's still old and he has an injury history of, of getting banged up. But when he signed the contract, we were worried much like a uh, a Nick Batum or the John Wall. Like, this is going to look real ugly at the end. But we've almost hit the end. There's just two years left. He has an early termination option, which I don't fully understand. But, like, we, we, we've hit almost the end of the contract and he's still as good as he ever was, kind mm-hmm. of. So that that's why I'm not eager to just unload it. Like, and it doesn't make sense to the Grizzlies if the Grizzlies move his contract. They don't have salary cap room this year, really. I mean, I guess if uh, if Jonas Valanciunas does decide to opt out, which he's made some racket about, uh, if he turns down his 17.7 million dollars for this season, and then you do like if you could trade him into the Pacers cap space, then it does open up some cap space for the for the Grizzlies. But it's a situation where, again, I'm not eager to trade him. Like, I feel like the value of growing a young roster of a Jaron Jackson Jr. and a John Morant with a good guy also on the team and, and teaching them how to win games. Like, we, we've seen the teams, like the teams playing in the playoffs right now, uh, like, they did not really bottom out. They, they kind of always just kept trying to win. And I think there is some value to your own guys being in a situation where maybe you win 30 games, maybe you win 30, 35, 38 games. You're having these, like you're actually playing games that matter a little bit more and that might help your, your young guys develop even better. So I, I'm not eager to unload Conley just for like whatever I might be able to get in a fire sale. Yeah, it's, I agree with you. It's not onerous. I think just if you're going to commit 30 plus percent of the cap or around there, to one player that's always just when they're on the wrong side of 
31 <laughs> yeah. is always there's risk. It's, if you're the Grizzlies, you're not anxious to get rid of it. If you're another team, I could see drawing a, a hard line on certain players in negotiations. Right. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including the United States Post Office, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter promo code BLUE, B-L-U-E, ShipStation. .com. Make ship happen. They have a ton of could-be free agents. Uh, you mentioned Valanciunas was player option. I mean, really quickly, he's picking that thing up, right? I know he mentioned it depends on Conley's future and who they hire as the head coach, but I don't know. Maybe he can get a, like a three-year deal worth. Uh, is he going to even get $10 million a year? I just I don't know how, if I'm him, especially coming off an injury now, I don't know how I decline that $17.6 million player. I know he's still fairly young, so maybe he does get that, but big men just get squeezed on the market every single year, it feels like. Yeah, I feel like if I'm him, you, you got to look at the contracts that have been signed for, like like the Clint Capella contract, which you know was like $14 million a year or something. Like These guys aren't getting paid and he's not an above the rim guy. He's not a rim protector, really. I mean, he's like he's like solid, I guess, average defense. He's I mean, he's a great screen setter. He he, he blew up the the statistics when he came to Memphis. You know, in the the looter and the riot scenario where the Grizzlies <laughs> just wanted someone to shoot. Grizzlies fans actually fell in love with him because he just shot the ball all the time. They were like, "This guy's amazing. He doesn't pass right. up shots like Mark or whatever." And <laughs> And and so like Grizzlies fans are like, man, if we could sign him for three years, thirty six million, like if he turned that down, I'm like, no, I don't, we don't, we don't want to sign him. Like I'm fine if he opts in. Like maybe it can be a trade chip. Maybe we can use that to to take on some bad salary and, and get a pick. So he's an okay player, but again, like he, the market for big guys who don't shoot is so limited. I don't see how he turns down $17 million. And if he does, I feel like it would be to the Grizzlies who say, okay, uh, three or 36 million instead. And I don't want the Grizzlies to sign that, to offer that contract to him. I I've hit, I've hit this, like, don't pay money for big men approach. Like don't spend your cap space on a center. Who's not uh, Jokic, you know, who's not a top five type player. Like otherwise, right. These guys seem so replaceable. Uh, you know, you can just find guys uh, who can do like 90% of what, what another guy can do. So I, I'm not I'm not eager for them to uh, to sign him to an extension. And again, I can't see any team out there who wants to give him, you know, even $10 million a year. I guess even teams that strike out on the free agency, which ones are missing a starting center and, and are thinking, yes, like Jonas Valanciunas, he's the guy. <laughs> and the ones that would be willing to sign a center if they strike out on the other guys, they're pro I mean, the Lakers... They're not going to offer multi-year contracts for most. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a terrible fit. So I don't. I, I assume this is a little bit of posturing. Maybe he's trying to. He he had some quote about like I'm going to look at who they hire as the coach and what the direction of the team is. Like maybe he's trying to apply some pressure to get his his Lithuanian buddy Yasakevich yeah. uh, the job. But I think he's just maybe he's just posturing. I mean, he's got he's got to opt in in my mind. The other guys so they have um, Brooks. Rab, Caboclo, Avery Bradley on non-guarantees deals. Dellen Rice, a restricted free agent. Uh, Joakim jo Noah, who had a moment with them towards the end of the season. Uh, Justin Holiday. What's interesting about the Grizzlies is, one, what, if their timeline is sort of in flux, 
Like there's no, all of these players, it's just, I mean, some of the non-guaranteeds like, yes, you know, just you bring Brooks back. I think you bring Kabaka. I'm going to, Dan, I'm going to need you to specify which Brooks. <laughs> uh, both the, uh, me, you and the Phoenix Suns, both apparently. <laughs> but yeah. uh, so it's just like, and the Grizzlies, the other thing that's interesting about them too, is they're not out of the, they will avoid it. If you waive Avery Bradley for $2 million, like you're, you're out of the, the luxury tax woods for the most part, unless you, uh, yeah. Unless Valanciunas opts in and then you inexplicably just overpay Delon Wright and he's not a restricted free agent, guess don't pay. But like their payroll isn't great. Like they're going to be probably over the cap unless again Valanciunas opts out and they let Delon Wright walk. Do you view any of their free incumbent free agents or these non guaranteed deals as must keeps? Uh, do you think that are there are most of these guys just going to be gone before next season? Uh, well, so like, I mean, Dylan Brooks, you're bringing Dylan Brooks back, obviously. Uh, he's shown enough promise that, and he makes, you know, nothing because he was a second round pick that you're, you're obviously bringing him back. Uh, the other ones are, there's just a lot of questions. I think, I mean, I'm assuming, you know, Valentinus opts in Avery Bradley. You're absolutely waving there. Like there's no situation because, because he, he's a $12 million contract if you don't waive them and they just can't keep that. I think his guarantee date, I think is July 3rd. So I guess theoretically you could wait to see if there was a trade you wanted in two days where the team wanted a full $12 million uh, in that trade. And then you've been guaranteed it. But I mean, he's not, he's not going to be back on the Grizzlies just because of the luxury tax. I don't even uh, think they can do that. When was his deals? Yeah, they can't even do that because of the new CBA. He would only count for $2 million in trade. Well, well, I think, well, well, couldn't they, if they guaranteed his deal, then they they could could do that if a team was. So, so, so like, I guess they would, if they worked out a deal is what I'm saying by July 3rd, then they could say, all right, we'll guarantee it. But yeah, so, so, so Avery Bradley's gone. Um, CJ Miles has, has opted in. Uh, Justin Holiday. I'll take shooters even if they're a little bit overpaid on my roster. Right, and it's one of those. He's a veteran guy. He's good to be around, and it's a good like. It's good to have as far as trades go. It's good to have those nine million dollar bits to to, to to end up matching salaries yeah. later in the year. So I'm I'm fine with having him around. I think Ivan Rapp is an interesting one. You assume as as the team that is at least sort of on a younger timeline, you assume you would bring him back because he's shown some flashes, but he's also a tweener and he's like, he can't really be your center. Uh, he's just like a bench big. If there is a situation where they end up being able to clear some space, if they do trade Conley and they need his 1.6 million off the books, I could see them, you know, like not bringing him back, but, but you assume he's coming back. Uh, let's see, who are the other ones? Oh, Bruno Caboclo. I think you have to bring him back again because you're, you know, you assume you're not going to be very good this year. I am taking the perspective of we're building for the future. Uh, he's a guy who, when you're six ten and you show some flashes that he's shown, like he played, I want to say thirty something games on the Grizzlies. Three of them were spectacular, where you're like, whoa, this guy's almost seven feet tall, can jump. He uh, he hit three threes, blocked three shots, had two steals. That's incredible, and and so like I feel like you have to bring him back just to see what he becomes. But he also, I mean, he also played twenty seven games that were mediocre to bad. So it's like you know he's probably not that exciting. But I think you have to keep him around. And then I guess the big question is, is Delon Wright. Is you know he's a restricted free agent. He was part of the Marcus Gasol trade. How much are you going to spend on him? If you you know I feel like. 
if it's more than eight million per year, that gets you in trouble a little bit. And with John, John Morant coming in, like I don't know if they're thinking like John Morant, Delon Wright, that can be our backcourt or our, our point guard for the near future. Uh, if Conley moves on, if Conley wants to stay, like do you not care as much about bringing back in Delon Wright? So he's one I have a big question mark. Like I don't know if he's coming back, but all these names, it is fun. This is like the first time that I can remember that the Grizzlies didn't have something like 14 or 15 guaranteed contracts already on the books. Right. This is like, they've, I think they've had 16 guaranteed contracts going into training camp, like many of the last few years. So this is the first year where it's like, man, so many different things could happen. I think there's only like 10 guys that you're like, you're sure they're coming back. The rest of them, who knows? Maybe even they stretch Parsons. Maybe, maybe we got to get that off some offer sheet for somebody for, for Kelly Oubre. We got to clear some space <laughs> and, uh, and we're going to compound the Parsons thing with uh, stretching Parsons too. So that yeah, there's a lot, could only a lot be exceeded of, in stupidity by trading Parsons and Avery Bradley for Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> right, right, right. We need points, Dan. The team can't <laughs> score. Uh, the I think with so with Delon Wright, I think if you can get him for his cap hold or lower, which is seven point six million, I think his cap hold yeah. is so right around the eight million figure. I bring him back because then that deal is movable, even if you have Conley and Morant on the yeah, roster. I would, I'd be pretty happy with that. I mean, any more than that, you're just paying for a backup guard. He is a uh, second all time in franchise history in triple doubles. So <laughs> look, he can so, be a defensive yeah. monster too. Like he can defend some threes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like he's a guy. And so like Justin holiday again, well, I didn't talk about him, but like Justin holiday, he's a guy I wouldn't mind having back if it was around look, the same need to sign him for that four year deal to justify giving up the second round. Pick. Right. right. I, I don't want him to overpay to justify the second round picks, but like, he's a guy where like, I would love to have, we never got to see the lineup I wanted to see, which was, I wanted to see Jaron Jackson, Jr. Kyle Anderson and Justin holiday, like playing at the same time. These are all very good defenders. These are guys all with long arms. They get a lot of steals. I was like, this will be a fun team to watch. At the very least, this will be a fun team to watch for me. And so like, if that's a guy you can bring back for a little bit, I, I do fear that with, you know, every team having salary cap space, someone will pay like six or seven million for him, mm-hmm. uh, which which is too much for the Grizzlies. But so he's a guy I'd like to have back. And again, Delon Wright, like he's versatile. Like he could play alongside Mike Conley, and you see the league going to having more and more ball handlers on the court. And it, it can't hurt. The Grizzlies for years would only have one or two guys who could dribble the basketball at all. So I like having more options as a point guard. And even then you watch the Raptors in the playoffs and Fred Van Fleet's completely disappeared. You're like, yeesh, kind of, they, they might be missing DeLon Wright, actually, uh, who showed at least he, he could handle it sometimes, but who knows? Maybe he would have disappeared in the playoffs as well. The lineup I want to see from them, I want them to bring back Caboclo. I just, okay. not that I'm the, the strong Bruno believer, but huh? I really want to see just like them go, it'd be completely contrary to what they've done over the past decade plus i want to see more and they ran this a little bit last year i remember tuning into a random game and i couldn't remember what it was but they had uh caboclo at the four and and triple j at the five i want to see like more stuff like that that's why i want caboclo back and i think that's just sort of an interesting pairing again it's it's probably two nuts and bolts and i'm not saying you know one of the questions i penciled down for you is bruno caboclo just Giannis with a a more consistent outside jump shot so (laughs) sure yeah there's that irrational love for him there i want to see him come back and i want to see them the grizzlies at least steer into sort of you can't call them offbeat combinations i mean that is a little bit off the beaten path even for today's nba but i'd like to see them go away from these lineups where they have traditional bigs in the middle that they've basically run for i don't even know how many years it's been now well so caboclo i mean his shot is not consistent i like your joke but he, Look, he only percent from three well, with the grizzlies he, 
he only started hitting that shot in like the last 15 games. It was it was March. That's almost and, a quarter of the season. Well, it's a quarter of the season, but it's a quarter of the season that did not matter. When he started getting guaranteed playing time, he started hitting this shot, which is like, all right, so maybe he does it. But I, I think I've seen enough. I saw Marshawn Brooks, you know, go nuts in, in nine games or whatever of playing time uh, this, the, pre, the season before. I, I don't trust Caboclo's shot. And also, he, he, I guess he has that issue where every time he shoots, he thinks he's open because he's huge and he actually jumps on his shot. So he has some argument there. I guess the Austin Day syndrome. Durant, that's why. Yeah, yeah. The, the Austin Day. Like, I don't know when I'm supposed to shoot because I'm tall and I always feel open. Uh, and so I don't trust his shot. I'm not sure it's consistent. But again, bring him back. Let's, 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 let's get another year to see what he can do. As far as the weird lineups, I feel like that was one of the disappointing things about last season uh, was Kyle Anderson having the whatever weird shoulder issue was we didn't get to see enough of Jaron Jackson Jr. and Kyle Anderson like as, as a weird front court. That front court has some severe rebounding issues because Jaron Jackson Jr., as exciting as he is, he was he was really bad at getting defensive rebounds. Uh, and so like that would have some problems, but those are versatile guys. I want to see more of that. And that's the problem again. Like if if Jonas Valanciunas opts in or, or they sign him to an extension, you're like, all right, we're gonna get we're gonna draft a slasher in John Morant. We already have Kyle Anderson who can't shoot. And then Jaron Jackson Jr. is the big of the future. Doesn't make sense. I don't know how this all works together. You know, again, I'm not going to worry about planning my team around Kyle Anderson, but we do have him, and he's one of our better players. I'd like to see how that fits with those weirder lineups, the smaller lineups, uh, having Jaron Jackson Jr. at the five and then putting just some versatile wings alongside him. Yeah, my actual take on Caboclo is I feel like he could be disruptive defensively for them in three, four spots. But again, that's just if you're rebuilding, I think that's a contract you bring back. Kyle Anderson, yeah. though. What were your year one impressions of him? I think just for, for him, for me, this is just, he's so madding, maddeningly frustrating on, on offense just because uh-huh. of his, he had, he shot well for mid range again, shot well on floaters, but this is just the Grizzlies had 28 players take the court for them this year. Kyle Anderson, in exact signs here, he was 27th in shot attempts for 36 <laughs> minutes. Uh, that's funny. Uh, I was immediately smitten with Kyle Anderson on the Grizzlies. I mean, I, I'd seen him play on the Spurs, but when he's on like your favorite team, and I started watching him, I'm like, oh yeah, I love this guy. He does everything I love. But it was frustrating, not just that his reluctance to shoot, but it was frustrating how the team used him. He was coming off the bench and barely playing for the first part of the season. Like I turned on J.B. Bickerstaff really quickly because Jared Jackson Jr. and Kyle Anderson weren't playing. Like they they were they were getting less minutes. I can't remember who it was, but it was like Chandler Parsons started the season as a starter, and then Kyle Anderson and Jaron Jackson Jr. were playing like fifteen to twenty minutes a game. I'm like, these are our two of our four best players. Like, I don't, what's going on? But uh, he rarely was given the chance to be the creator. Right? We knew him coming from the Spurs. This is a guy who can be sort of a, like a tall point guard, a super slow Ben Simmons. Like, this is a guy who can who can do stuff with the ball in his hands. And there were there weren't very many games where they actually let him do that. There was a joke running through most of Grizzlies Twitter that Kyle Anderson was the only guy who passed to, to Jaron Jackson Jr. Like there were so many times where it felt like Mike Conley would never post him up, would never look at him, like would never do stuff. Marcus Gasol wouldn't do that much high low stuff with him. But then when every time Kyle Anderson came in the game, it seemed like they they were developing a, a great chemistry. But then Jaron Jackson Jr. goes down with the you know the the vague injury slash shut him down, and then uh, he stopped playing. So. I, I liked a lot of what I saw, but I think year one was more of a disappointment of one, 
him not being utilized the way I think that played to his strengths, and two, him getting hurt where we didn't get to see how he fits alongside, like to, to find the answers of how does he fit with the guys that we know are going to be on the team going forward, and we didn't have a chance to find that out. And I think you made a good point about him uh, not being able to be the creator enough and how he could be an oversized point guard, because when you look at some of his offensive profile, it makes sense almost to play him at the four, but he's actually better off at like the two and three, both defensively and um, even again, because of what he does on offense, like since he's not going to space the floor, he's not, he's not super quick. He's not this huge mismatch in the front court. Right. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. What are you looking to see with him in his sophomore year on offense? He was, he's super polished, at least his moves on the block for a rookie. And then watching what he was able to do from face up positions down low makes me think that he could turn into a perimeter pull-up shooter is that stuff that you're looking for from him or is it more about you just want to see him have more volume in general within their offensive system next year i think the volume is exactly the thing i'm looking for the grizzlies obviously weren't good last year and, and a criticism was why aren't we seeing how much this guy can handle they brought him along slowly and i guess there's an argument for that but he had some huge games like he had games where he erupted for 30 points he had a game against the nets i think he had he had 30 points and also had like a reggie miller-esque seven points in the last 15 seconds or something to to force that game into overtime mm-hmm. and after that it was like oh this guy can score 30 points per game let's just give him everything let's see let's see what he can handle but they wouldn't do it it was always low usage it was always not running plays for him not letting him just touch the ball a lot He's pretty good in the post. I mean, he could only pretty much finish uh, with his left hand right now. So I, I want to see him develop, you know, that both hand uh, finishing. But I think that'll come. You know, he was the, the youngest player. His ability to generate space, though, was just I. That wasn't something that I thought. Maybe I just missed it. it. Wasn't talked about about him coming into the league. Yeah, well, and also in his face-up game, like you mentioned. Like he could take centers off the dribble. Like there was a couple times where he just took Rudy Gobert, where Rudy Gobert didn't know what to do with him. And he just dribbled right past him. Like anytime a traditional center would come out, and you have to, because he showed he could hit, he could hit a three sort of off the dribble. I mean, he's never he's never bringing the ball up the court like a guard and then pulling up, but he would handle the ball, decide the guy was laying off of him, and then he would shoot, and, and he was such a threat from three that guys are coming out on him, and he, he could blow past people. So, like, he showed all the flashes where you're thinking, like, this guy was the best big guy taken in last year's draft. Uh, this guy could be a future all-star. You know, the, the ceiling is incredibly high on him. So now, year two, I want to see... I want to see that, you know him get stronger because again the rebounding like i mentioned the rebounds was was pretty rough he had a stretch of something like eight straight fourth quarters where he didn't grab a defensive rebound that i was just randomly tracking i was like we gotta get stops and this guy if he's gonna play center anytime soon we need him to get stops but uh yeah just seeing him turn those moves those flashes he showed the ball handling the creation off the dribble of getting to the rim and the shooting if he can do it in high volume if he can become you know a one or a 1A, 1B type scorer on a team, then the Grizzlies are really well set up for the future. So I want to see like how heavy of a load can he handle. And you mentioned, I think he'll eventually be fine defensively at the five, but the rebounding might be a concern. So I'm hoping we see more of him at the five next year. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to go, so I have some quick fire mailbag questions just to get sure. through. Listeners want to know. Um, Mel at GSW Bacons. Uh, this is an overlap, but... If you ha- if the Grizzlies do trade Conley this offseason, which team would you bet on them sending him to? I would I would bet on them working out something to uh, get him on, on on his hometown Pacers. 
So I guess I would, I would be, I'd be least surprised if he got sent to the Pacers. It's a good way to put it. I like that. Lucas Perry at Lucas Perry at 007. <laughs> Deep cut question. What's going to happen to Javon Carter if they draft Morant? Oh man. I'm glad we mentioned Javon Carter. Our, my fast break breakfast listeners know, uh, I, I think Javon Carter is like really uniquely bad at basketball. Like I don't, I don't get it. I think he he was advertised as like a, a scrappy, you know, defensive first point guard. Um, again, as, as we've said, I don't watch college basketball, so I know he's the hero of West Virginia. Uh, his stands on Twitter are all the way almost Kobe stand. Like they love Javon Carter. Don't say anything negative about him on Twitter. But uh, I don't think Javon Carter factors in your thinking at all as far as John Morant. Like I, I assume you get John Morant. If you could bring back DeLon Wright, if Mike Conley wants to stay, you don't worry about Javon Carter uh, at all. His deal is, I think, technically non-guaranteed. I might be wrong there. I guess uh, maybe it is guaranteed. But like Javon Carter, I thought, couldn't create off the dribble. He couldn't beat his man. He has no finishing move. He, he was shooting uh, the worst from the field of any player, I think, in 60 years. Until, until, until the, last th- I think the last three games, he brought his field goal percentage up to like a merely uh, Terry Rozier rookie season. I can't remember what it was, but it was like 30% for the field. So I'm not a believer. I know he came on very strong at the end and started hitting three-pointers. If he can hit three-pointers, that's a big deal. But I thought his defense was way overrated. He couldn't get around screens. He did. I mean, he has good hands. He gets steals. But I, I thought he died on every screen. It was so horrible on offense that I, I watched him all season being like, this guy is one of the worst players I've ever seen. But he's young. I mean, actually, he's not young. Take that back. Uh, he was a rookie, so maybe, so maybe it'll grow. So I don't think I don't think Javon Carter uh, factors in your uh, decision making very much at all going forward for the Grizzlies. Linus Van Pelterbaum at LV Pelt asks, "This is basically a who says no? Memphis sends number two to Los Angeles for number four and in Ingram. That's a clear, so I, I'm gonna. I think that this is an easy answer, but." So again, the, the, well, this you think it's the easy answer? Yes, because you believe in the, the John Morant potential. No, I just I don't know. Uh, for the Lakers, I'm not giving up Ingram just to move up two spots in the draft and a oh, pick. Yeah, that. Yeah, Unless yeah. the Pelicans want that, I'm not giving up Ingram as that buffer. Would be my take. I right. think New, no, Memphis no. should do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, that's how that, that's more how I feel. Although. I'm gonna have to read a lot more on the draft with the people like the the draft expert, experts that I trust. If they think John Moran is a true like superstar potential guy who's a clear tier above the other guys, you probably don't do that. But I'm more of I'm keeping my options open. If the Lakers desperately want the two and they'll give me an, an Ingram or Alonzo Ball and the four pick, yeah, I'm, I'm I think I'm probably gonna do that. If the Suns get super desperate, we mentioned the Suns trading for Mike Conley. If the Suns want to trade. Uh, Josh Jackson, TJ Warren in the six pick to move up, you know, to the two pick. I definitely have to think about that. Like that seems really good. Also, if Mike Conley says, Hey, I, I, I'm going to stay next year. Well then I, you know, I'm, I'm, I might have to do that. And again, I think I'm repeating myself. You don't, you don't want to factor, I guess, too much into Mike Conley on, on your future plans going forward. You got to be all about Jaron Jackson jr. And what you get from this draft. But again, I guess my heart is a fan. I'm like, look, man, let's win some ball games next year. So, uh, yeah, I, I would consider you know trading down if someone would give me another like top prospect or asset in that deal. Last one from Joe Schlemo at Faux Schlemo. I feel like I'm mispronouncing that, but thank you for the question. He has head coach triple question mark. I'm gonna adjust this question to: Do you think the head coach they hire? Not a matter of your preference. It's um, me and you both agree that giving opinions on head coaching candidates, especially 
ones that we don't really know about uh, is it's a stretch. But do you think that the head coach they ultimately hire will be one whose name we've already heard mentioned, or do you think there's going to be someone that we've yet to be leaked that ends up taking the job? I don't know. I, I, I would assume maybe one of those, uh, like the uh, Nate Tibbetts or someone else, one of the assistants who's still coaching in the playoffs right now, or maybe someone from the Spurs staff, you know, will, will, will shake free. Uh, so I assume it'll be one of those like assistant level guys that we've heard of. I don't really think it's going to be the, um, was it Alex Jensen and, uh, Jaron Collins. Collins. And, uh, you know, yes, Kevin's just, I don't, hey, you need to keep Valanciunas. You got to hire the one. We, we, yeah, we got to hire him. So, I mean, I, again, I don't know. We're, as you said, we're just clearly guessing. I have no inside knowledge. Uh, I, I would assume it would be one of those quote unquote run of the mill assistant types because it doesn't look like anyone else is getting fired. You know, I, I think some Grizzlies fans were crossing their fingers that the Sixers would axe Brett Brown. But that didn't. But, so but, but, stupid on there. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but that didn't happen. So again, I don't. I don't know who we're cheering for as a fan base. Like who we want to come in. Uh, it's it's going to be a mystery, and we'll just cross our fingers and hope it works out. Keith, thank you so much for letting me commandeer your time. Everyone, if you've not followed Keith on Twitter yet, remedy that immediately. He is at Roy Ira uh, at Roy Ira, and also be sure that you are following Fast Break Breakfast. Fantastic podcast. Just the blend of humor, asking about which ate for breakfast at the beginning, and then actual basketball analysis, unparalleled. You're not going to find that meld of comedy and um, actual just real analysis anywhere else. They are at Fast Break Break, so be sure to subscribe to them. They have a Patreon. Go go support it. So, so Keith, once more, thank you again for stopping by, and I'm sure I'll be pestering you um, at some point again over the offseason. Until next time, I leave everyone with the shout-out, and Keith will actually appreciate this one to Kyle Anderson. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York.